This is Perspectives, the show where a conversation about our differences often shows us how much we have in common. I'm Condis Presley. Lung cancer. The mere words strike fear in the hearts of all of us. Fear of the diagnosis, fear of the treatment, and fear of the ultimate prognosis. Where do you go for hope? I am hopeful that today's guest has some answers. She suggests that it can be found in the living room. The Living Room is a book by Bonnie Adario. She is a 17-year survivor of stage 3B lung cancer. And yes, I'm going to ask her exactly what that means. She established the Bonnie J. Adario Lung Lung Cancer Foundation in 2006, along with the Adario Lung Cancer Medical Institute in 2008, and is now co-founder and chair of the GoTo Foundation for lung cancer. She is indeed an activist on behalf of patients who suffer from this disease and her book, which profiles a number of lung cancer survivors. All of the proceeds from that go to research and additional help for others. Bonnie, I forgot to ask you before we started to capture our conversation, did I pronounce your last name correctly? You sure did. Thank you so much for being with us on Perspectives. Congratulations on the success of your journey. Uh, We're obviously going to talk about the book and some of the amazing people that you had a chance to talk to, but I thought we would start with you sharing your story and how you have gotten to this. I I have uh, four family members besides myself that have all passed away from lung cancer. And most people believe that, uh, you know, it's a, Uh, a disease that's caused by smoking, but it isn't really, you know, anyone can get lung cancer, whether you smoke, don't smoke, live on the moon, don't, you know, it really doesn't matter. It can come to your home. So when I was diagnosed, I was, um, you know, it took a long time, sadly, like, you know, it does for most people that have lung cancer, because early detection is is still a bit hard to find. and I made a promise to myself when I was in the Barkalander getting infused for the first time. And if I made it through the knothole, I would do something to change the status and the um, survival of lung cancer, which at the time was only about 12%. And even today it's, it's 20, 20 plus percent. It's, that is absolutely not okay because we have shown the world that you know, with the survival rate of breast cancer being in the 90 percentile and prostate cancer being in 99 percentile and colon up there in the high 80s, we can do it. It's just been ignored, lung cancer. And lung cancer is the biggest cancer, you know, really in the world. We reported here in Atlanta just several weeks ago at our leading trauma center, Grady Memorial Hospital, that there have been some changes in the guidelines for screening now here for lung cancer, because as you've just suggested, early detection is key. Right, absolutely, absolutely. And there have been some changes. You still, now it's dropped down to being age 50, where it was at 55 to qualify. But it still, it still um, relates to smoking. You know, you have to have smoked X packs of cigarettes per day for X amount of time. And, you know, we're fighting that. We're fighting that hard. 
it really shouldn't matter, you know, whether somebody smokes or not. <clears throat> Smoking is the biggest cause of heart disease. And nobody tells you if you want an early scan for heart disease that you have to have smoked X amount of packs of cigarettes per day, uh, you know, during your lifetime. So we, we have to get rid of this stigma and we simply have to take care of all of these people that can't get help because of uh, boundaries that have been, you know, placed out there, limiting them getting access to early detection, limiting them to get access to good care and so on and so forth. So, you know, that's what this book is about. That's what this book is about. In the book, The Living Room, we meet uh, a number of people who have advanced stages of the disease and you share their remarkable stories. Uh, talk to me about deciding to pull this group of people together and what you are hoping okay. readers will learn uh, from their journeys. Okay, I'll tell you real quick, you know, why I named it, named the book The Living Room. Okay. I was invited um, several years ago to speak at a um, major uh, academic hospital at their support group. I walked in and it was a gray room with a gray oblong table, gray folding chairs and no windows and a lot of great people that I was shocked to see that there was only a social worker there talking to them about lung cancer. And they weren't really learning anything. And I'm not, you know, being criticizing the social worker. She was doing the best job she knew how, but she wasn't educated on lung cancer. So I went back to work to our team and said, <clears throat> we're going to start a support group, but it's going to be very different. It's going to be support and education. We're going to bring in a key opinion leader once a month to talk to the patients. We've live streamed this on YouTube uh, to 143 countries, you know, training patients and in some cases even physicians that you know are not specialists in lung cancer so we're, we're, we're training them too to to get up to speed on the latest and greatest new uh drugs and things more new drugs in the last five years than the last five decades so the living room is a hopeful place it's full of sofas and comfortable chairs we bring in food you know because people are under the impression that when people have cancer uh, they don't have to work anymore, which is not, not the case. You know, they still have to work. And, and so we, we want to make sure they're nourished and they're with other people that uh, they can share their stories. And we decided to call it the living room because I didn't see anybody living or hopeful in that, that first place I was invited to come and, and you know, talk to patients. So, uh, and that's the, the name of the book as well, The Living Room. Because if, again, now you're being invited into these patients' lives, you know, because I really believe that the best way to get this story out there is from the patients themselves and what they're, what they're going through. Tell me about some of these patients that you introduce us to. Okay. First of all, they all are cancer survivors, but most are not, have not survived. They're thriving. They're learning how to live with lung cancer and live the best way possible. Um, but uh, when I started choosing the patients for the book, I wanted to make sure we had almost everything covered. I wanted to make sure we had gender co uh, covered, ethnicity covered, age covered, all of those things that are again, boundaries, you know, for for patients to get the appropriate care and treatment. And um, 
you know, the lung cancer is actually leading the way in targeted drugs and targeted um, mutations. If you have a certain mutation, that's actually the mutation that's driving your cancer, not smoking. It's not, you know, anything else. It's you have been unlucky enough to have a mutation that says you have lung cancer, but there's been a lot of work in the last, in the last five years on targeted drugs to match those mutations. So in some cases, all, and one of those mutations really is also immunotherapy. They don't, they don't um, refer to it as a mutation, but it is a targeted marker on what drug to have. <clears throat> so my, my goal for this was to find enough information from each patient where if you read the whole book, and you, you, you're a lung cancer patient yourself or a doctor or whomever, you're gonna find everything in there and get all your questions answered by these patients themselves. And their stories are amazing. They, they really are, they're inspiring. They're, um, they, they show what, um, what can happen when you decide not to let something you know, be a huge boundary and you go out and get the information you need to get the care you need. How did that happen in you such that you are creating a space for that to happen in others? Well, it, it, it was very interesting because I didn't have, you know, a marker that we didn't even know when I was diagnosed back in 2004. Um, there was nothing for me other than chemotherapy, radiation, and I found an amazing surgeon that asked me, he said, Bonnie, this is, you've got a really tough cancer. My tumor was on my heart. It was like crushing my aorta. He said, Bonnie, this is, this is not something that's treatable. He said, what do you want from me? He said, if I'm going to die from this disease, I don't want it to be because I did nothing. I want you to be my partner and throw everything at me that you've got. My ultimate goal is surgery. And at some point in time, you going in there and getting this thing out of there. And he looked at me and he said, okay, let me see what I can do. So he put together a vascular surgeon, a heart surgeon himself, which is a thoracic surgeon. They plied me with chemotherapy and radiation. They did the surgery and it was, you know, a different surgeon coming in and doing their thing. And then afterwards, uh, this was at UCSF in San Francisco, afterwards, they had more radiation that uh, I got received in the operating room while I was open. So they did throw everything they had at me and I am still alive today. And I promised myself that if I made it through this knothole, I would do something to change the insanity about ignoring lung cancer and ignoring all the patients that have it. And I am. Indeed you are. Now your diagnosis was something called 3B lung cancer. For right. our listeners who don't know what that is, would you explain? It's, it's very quite simple. Um, if you're early stage, you're 1A or 1B, depending on where the tumor is located, what the size of the tumor is, um, if it's spreading, and so on and so forth. So then the, the staging goes through 2A, 2B, 3A, 3B, 4A, 4B, 4B, um, uh, you know, the most difficult to, to treat. But today, because of these mutations and targeted markers, we have more options for stage four patients than, than we've ever had. So there's the hope. 
The hope is in the living room and the hope is the education that we bring to patients and physicians. And, and you know, I think when you're hopeful, you know, hope, um, uh, according to a famous um, poet, wrote, um, hope is the thing with feathers that perches in your soul. Hope is a feeling. Hope is something that we've all had it at times and we've all been hopeless at times. So we know, we know what that is. So we, we are here and we do research. We do, we do a hundred different things, but I, the living room is the thing I'm most proud of because it's my way of helping all of these patients out there while we're waiting for everybody else to step up to the plate and do what needs to be done for lung cancer patients. One of the ways I've heard hope described is having only positive expectations. And certainly that is what you have found in many of the people you profile who are thriving and surviving despite right. that, that diagnosis. Exactly, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and they're going on vacations they're, they're, and of course not during COVID, but um, you know, they're taking trips. Uh, you know, we, we've had people that, that sit in the living room and say, oh, you know, my mom lives in Portugal and we really want to go see her, but I just don't think we can. And we look at her and go, why? Why can't you? What is keeping you from going to Portugal and visiting your mom? And then everybody chimes in. And then before you know it, she's buying tickets and going to Portugal, right? And, you know, that's a lesson for all of us. Don't put off to tomorrow what you can do today, right? And how important is, and especially in your situation, having that positive attitude, telling your physician that you wanted a partner who was going to throw everything at that diagnosis right. to get you to where you are today, 16 years post those words that I'm not even going to say. Right. You know, the, the, the most important thing is, most people are afraid to talk mano a mano with their doctor. You know, they believe the doctor knows more than they do. And I can honestly tell you some patients today more, know more than some of the doctors out there that are not specialists in lung cancer. But it's, it's the courage, you know, really uh, to, to have that conversation and say, okay, you just told me standard of care. Now tell me what it's gonna take to go outside the standard of care, to, to give me a chance just give me a chance at surviving and I'll do all I need to do to, to get us there together. Talk to our listeners about your foundation, the money that you've been able to raise for research. And as you suggested a few moments ago, some of the advances and new things that have been discovered. Absolutely. Well, you know, the research we do, we don't do any research unless it's futuristic. You know, we're not we don't want to do me too research. We want to do research that someone else isn't doing. We want to partner with those people. But I think, uh, you know, too many people are getting in each other's way and they're trying to get to publish publication, you know, first. Uh, none of that works for me. You know, these people are waiting for care. They're waiting for the results. They don't need to be involved with um, people not not wanting to share their results, their new results on, on, on what's happening in, in research. You know what I'm talking, I'm talking about collaboration. I'm talking about people working together instead of working apart. Research would be a lot less expensive if people shared and if they pulled together from different academic places and what have you and, and did the research together. So we do, 
that's a criteria for us. We do work with other people and share. We just launched a, um, our foundation just launched a research uh, project for young lung cancer for young people under 40 years old that are getting uh, lung cancer and it's on the rise. It's absolutely on the rise. 86 when we're just we're just now published 86% of these young people had a targeted marker when in the big scheme of things in all lung cancer patients it's only 20% but in this young one it's 86%. Good news bad news good news they have the possibility of a lot of drugs right now and you know hopefully the research are going to all keep up with that so we have continuous options um but um that that's the way we work. We only collaborate. We only work with other people. We do things together. And for this this uh, particular research, we worked with Dana Farber and we worked with USC um, and some really amazing people. That just we all wanted this 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 cancer, uh, you know, out of here for these young people, twenty three years old, pregnant. Another one was. 21 years old, and she was the coxswain of the Cal Berkeley, Berkeley crew team. Diagnosed at 21, died when she was 22. Uh, I could go on and on and on, but we did this, the, our research was collaborative and we did it together and we, we had a hard time getting funding for it, so we raised it ourselves. And how'd you do that? Events, events, you know, uh, gathering people together and, you know, having 5Ks running marathons, doing, you know, doing, doing things like that. And the patients, the patients chipped in, you know, they raised as much money as they could. And a little bit turns into a lot. And they like being part of it. They like being part of the team. Because you're doing something For to them. advance your own cause. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So as you work with people in the living room, because it's about living, talk to us about coaching your friends and other patients who are in this battle through those valley moments to get back to the, the yeah. mountaintops and positivity yeah. and hope and and getting to where you are we do it we do it in multiple ways you know we have a hotline we had an eight we have an 800 number we also have um a, a program called lung match where we can um talk patients who are with a physician and that is telling them there, you know, there, there are no clinical trials for them or whatever. We help them find the trial that is for them. And we, we do everything I just spoke about. We talk to them about, you know, having a physician patient conversation and how to do that. We even help them do it. We get them second opinions when we can hear that they're not getting the, um, the, um, the uh, appropriate uh, care today for what's out there. Um, <clears throat> we, we've got a million things. And you know, what I forgot to tell you is that our living room is live streamed and um, patients can chat with other patients in other countries while the living room is, is happening. And the, the, the physicians love it too, because they can, we record it and they can put it in their waiting rooms. I mean, there's so many things that we do with the recordings of the living rooms that help physicians as well as, and researchers. You know, we need information um, and badly we need information, but we need to share that too. Can't just hold everything, yeah. you know, to our chest because we wanna be the first ones out there with it. What was it that made you say, 
something is not right with me. I need to get checked. And how do you communicate that message to the folks who are listening to us today, who maybe something's not feeling quite right with them, but because of COVID, they've avoided going to the doctor because of whatever reason, I don't want to know if something's really bad. Talk to those people. More often than not, when, when a lung cancer patient finally goes to the doctor, it's because they've noticed something like you're just talking about. But usually it's, you know, they've had a, a cough for a while. Um, they're short, short of breath. And then usually what happens is the physician gives them an x-ray. Well, an x-ray is not going to find lung cancer all the time because tumors can hide behind the heart and behind the ribs. And you can get missed with an x-ray. What, what I tell patient, patients all the time is when somebody tells you you can't have a CT scan, demand it demand it, do whatever you can do to make sure you get a CT scan because most of these young patients I just spoke to you about are diagnosed when they're stage four because a lot of physicians out there don't know that there are young lung cancer patients and that at age 30, when they're short of breath and can't breathe, they should be getting a CT scan. So we take, we, the education is ground up and ground down, top to bottom, bottom to top. How can our listeners connect with you? How can they find their place in the living room or connect to the GoTo Foundation? They can find us, you know, in in lots of different places. We're all over Facebook and all you have to do is type in my name, type in the living room and you will connect to what you need to do to be part of the living room. Um, If you want the 900, you know, the, the 800 number to talk to someone specifically, you can do that on our website, which is um, uh, uh, go to foundation for lung cancer.org. Mm-hmm. Um, we recently, I started the first two foundations a long time ago, but recently merged last year with a, another entity in Washington, DC, who can do all of the, um, do all of their regulatory stuff. And that part of, uh, you know, like getting us help to get, to get all the things we just spoke of. So, um, we, we both agreed that, you know, we're going to give up our names and that's okay. And not, not many people are willing to give up their name when they've been working under that name for a very long time. But we both agreed we would do that. And we hired a consultant and we were driving him crazy because we just couldn't come up with something to call the new company. So he, uh, he said, Bonnie, what is it that you want? And I said, I want us to be the go-to place for, for lung cancer. And he said, huh. I'll be back to you in a day. He had the logo made. He had everything made. Go to for Lung Cancer Foundation. Boom. And now people just call us go to. All right. And if there are folks out there who want to provide support for the Go To Foundation, you're sending them to that same website? Yes, absolutely. Everything's on there. Everything is on there. You know, it's it's a fairly new website because, you know, we had to merge two. So tell them not to give up, you know, keep, keep, keep keep trying. And if they have to call me, call me. I will talk to absolutely anybody. (laughs) And if nothing else, simply Google your name, Bonnie Adario. Yeah, Uh, exactly. Yeah. And it's all going to come up easily. It's going to pop up. Yep. The book is The Living Room. The author is Bonnie Adario. She will lead you to believe, the people in this book will lead you to believe that miracles indeed are all around us. You've been listening to one just now, a 16-year survivor thriving and paying it forward by making sure that there are opportunities to get the help, uh, the counseling, the education, and the care that is needed. 
uh, yep. to battle to battle lung cancer. Uh, Bonnie Adario, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Perspectives is a community and public affairs program produced with you in mind. If there's a guest or an issue you'd like to hear me explore, I'd hope you'd let me know. The easiest way to connect with me is on social media. Just slip me a DM or send me a message. Search Condus Presley on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And yeah, I know you're asking, how do you spell Condus? C-O-N-D-A-C-E. And Presley has two S's. That's P-R-E-S-S-L-E-Y. Friends, I appreciate your listening. Be sure to listen again next week at this same time as we explore new perspectives. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.